You are listening to a sermon from the First Baptist Church of Ewing, a Christ-centered church in Lewis County. Father, it is too easy uh, to take this time for granted, but, but it is a blessing uh, and a privilege just to be able to gather here as, as a body of believers like this. This is not a privilege that all Christians around the world share. Uh, many live their lives in persecution and are unable uh, to freely gather like this. So we're just thankful, Father, for this opportunity to once again come and study uh, the teachings of Jesus. Uh, we never want to stray far from his teachings. Uh, so we just pray that you would open up our eyes just to see what you have in store for us today. Uh, and Father, I pray that I would not be preaching merely my own opinion today, but that I would simply be a mouthpiece speaking the truth of your spirit uh, to this congregation. I just ask all of this in Jesus's name. Amen. Uh, So here from the word of the Lord this morning, Matthew chapter six, verses 25 through 34, Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body that you will uh, put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, Do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is God's word. So there was an old uh, mad TV sketch that I saw once when I was growing up as a kid uh, with Bob Newhart. And I know as I'm even just saying this, you're probably asking yourself, where is he going with this? Most people don't start off a sermon by Uh, talking about Bob Newhart, Uh, but there's a sketch that you should really look up later uh, if you're able. I'm sure it is on YouTube, uh, and it's really funny, and it would be worth your time. Uh, But in this sketch, uh, Bob Newhart plays a counselor. Now, he only charges $5 for his counseling services, uh, but his sessions with his clients only last five minutes, so it's a dollar an hour. 
Uh, and at the beginning of the sketch, there's this lady who walks into his office and she begins telling him all about her problems. And she says that she is claustrophobic. Uh, so she is terrified of enclosed spaces. She can't go through tunnels. Uh, she has this uh, really irrational fear that one day she's going to be buried alive. Um, so she tells all of this to Bob Newhart, who's playing this counselor. And uh, he says that he has two words of advice to help her out. Uh, she doesn't even need to write it down because these two words will be easy uh, for her to remember. And he looks her right in the eye and he shouts, stop it. <laughs> Just stop it. Kind of catches her off guard. Uh, so she's kind of surprised by the bluntness and the, the brevity of what, it, what uh, he's saying. So she asks, what, what do you mean? What, what, what are you saying? And he just repeats himself by saying, I said, stop it. You know, you can't go through life living that kind of fear. That sounds terrible. So just stop it. And then he uh, looks down at his watch and he notices that they've only been talking for three minutes. So he says that he's only going to charge her $3 for his services. <clears throat> Um, and, and sometimes I, I really do think that every aspiring pastor uh, and every counselor in training uh, should be required to watch that video. Because sometimes that really is the answer uh, to many of the problems that people face. Uh, sometimes as Christians, we, we really try uh, just to be too polite, honestly. Uh, we often beat around the bush too much. We're so sympathetic to others that we don't have the bravery and the boldness to tell them what they really need to hear. Sometimes the answer actually is as simple as telling others they just need to stop it, uh, which is pretty much the approach uh, that Jesus is going to take in our passage today on the topic of worry. As he continues his Sermon on the Mount, he's going to make the argument that when you really see the grandness and the goodness of God on display, it's pretty silly and actually pretty childish to see his sovereignty and walk away still worrying. That's why three different times in this single paragraph, Jesus is going to tell his followers and us today, stop it, to stop worrying, stop being so anxious, and simply just trust in the sovereignty and control of God instead. Um, if you were with us last week, uh, you may remember uh, that last week we were talking about uh, treasuring God more than trusting in any of our stuff. Uh, that's why Jesus said not to store up your treasures here on earth where moth and rust can destroy. Uh, but now this week we're going to be talking about uh, trusting in God even when you don't have stuff. You, you are to treasure God when you have excess and you are to trust in God even when it seems like you don't have enough. And trusting in God means not being anxious about life. So this morning, I want to spend some time talking about three things. Uh, what is worry? 
You know, how does Jesus, how does the Bible define it? And then I want to look at why you shouldn't worry. And then finally, we need to see the cure for worry. So what is worry, why you shouldn't worry, and how to cure worry? So first, before we dive in uh, too deep, we really just need to define what, what we mean by worry or anxiety. You know, what is it? Uh, for example, when Jesus says not to be anxious, is he saying that all worry is sin? Like, if you're concerned about being a good father or a good mother and raising your kids right, is it wrong to lose a bit of sleep at night because you take your role as a parent seriously? Or what about worrying for those who are spiritually lost and have yet to give their lives over to the gospel? Is it okay to worry, to be anxious about those who might spend eternity in hell? Well, this is where we need the Bible to come in and give us some guidelines to think through this. Uh, and a great passage of help here is 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. This is where the Apostle Paul says that he himself felt anxious daily about all of the churches that he helped start. All right, he planted and he ministered to a lot of churches, and so he felt a burden for them, like a, a father would looking after his children. He wants them all to grow and to thrive, and so he's anxious about them, but we're never told that Paul's anxiousness is sinful. So, so depending on how you define it, not all worry equals sin. So, so let me go ahead and give you my definition for you. Um, I would define it by saying that worry is feeling distress or concern about circumstances that are beyond your control. It's feeling distress or concern about circumstances that are beyond your control. And whether or not worry becomes sinful really comes down to how you respond to it. Um, how, yet you have to think about you know, what actions that worry is causing you to take. Is it paralyzing you into inaction, uh, or is it actually spurring you on to take action? And is, it, you know, is that worry causing you to lose your trust in the Lord, or is it actually encouraging you to depend upon the Lord uh, even more? You know, if you're a person who uh, feels like they struggle significantly with anxiety from time to time, um, as we talk about this, I, I do just want to make it clear this morning uh, that anxiety in and of itself uh, doesn't have to be a sin. All right? Anxiety in and of itself is not a sin, but we do need to be careful, though, because it can certainly, as we'll see in this text, it can certainly lead to sin. It can cause sin. You always need to be careful, though, uh, also, not to run in the other direction either. I know some people uh, worry to the point where they become you know, paralyzed by anxiety, uh, but others, they look at Jesus' command here to say not to worry, uh, and they actually think that, that that gives them a free pass to live a completely carefree life. 
That's the other end of the extreme that we should seek to avoid. Like if you are unemployed, uh, you might be tempted to think, well, you know, there's no need for you to really uh, get back out there and try to find another job because, you know, you read this passage and you say, oh, Jesus has has it taken care of. Uh, He's he's got me covered. All right. But that's not what the Bible teaches either. If you're not working and you're unwilling to find a job, then scripture actually says that you should be worried. Uh, Proverbs 14, 23 says that in toil, uh, there is profit, uh, but mere talk leads only to poverty. So so don't use Jesus's command not to worry as an excuse to be lazy. Uh, So so you really need to think about how, how we define this word. Uh, But I want to move on now to the the heart of the passage and see why you shouldn't worry, why you shouldn't be anxious, at least not when it comes to sinful worry. There's two reasons as seen through these two examples that Jesus gives. Um, In these examples, we find um, that, that you shouldn't worry, number one, because worrying is futile. It's pointless. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't accomplish anything. Um, And secondly, because worrying actually can prove your lack of faith. It it reveals your faithlessness. So worrying is futile, and it just proves your lack of faith. So let's look at this first example that Jesus gives, uh, starting in verse 26. He says, Look at the birds of the air. Uh, They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? One of the things that I love about living in northeast Missouri, again, is all the wildlife that I get to see on a daily basis. Uh, There was a while uh, where from the window in my office, I could look across the highway uh, and I could see a bald eagle that had made a nest over there. Uh, There have been many mornings where I've sipped coffee on my back deck at the parsonage and I've seen uh, turkey out in my backyard uh, or I'll see hawks flying over the nearby fields looking for mice. Uh, And I'm sure all of you know that you can't drive down any back roads in Lewis County without seeing vultures cleaning up the roadkill. And none of these birds are dependent upon us for their survival, uh, except maybe the vultures who do appreciate the extra roadkill that we give them. Uh, but, But even they would figure out something else if we weren't around Because they were living here long before any of us even thought about settling this part of the country. And the Lord provided for them. And he is still providing for them. And if the Lord will provide for the eagles and the vultures and the hawks, well, how much more so is he going to provide for us as humans? That's why Jesus goes on in verse 27 to say, which is, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? If the Lord has already promised to provide, what's the point of worrying? 
Because your worry is not going to actually accomplish anything. It's futile. You're not going to live any longer just because you spend more time stressing out about all of the things that are beyond your control anyway. If anything, it's actually going to be the opposite. You might worry so much that you end up giving yourself a heart attack. You might actually take away hours from the span of your life, but you can't add to it. So, so being anxious and worrying is pointless and it's, it's futile. Now, there are some people who push back against Jesus' promise here to provide for us, uh, just like he promised to pr- uh, feed and provide for the birds. I know some people will look around at all of the uh, impoverished countries in the world and the starving children, and they will claim that that contradicts Jesus's teachings here, because clearly Jesus isn't providing for them just as he promised. But, but Jesus never actually taught uh, that there would never again ever be any more famines. Things like poverty, things like starvation, they are still unfortunate realities of our broken and sinful world. But in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus actually isn't speaking about the entire world anyway. He's speaking to those who have submitted their lives to him and who have become his followers. All right, this is a promise that Jesus is specifically giving to Christians saying that we will be taken care of. And even then, Jesus still isn't promising that none of his followers will you know, never go hungry because all you have to do is look at the life of Paul to see that even he was forced to go without food sometimes. First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verse 11 comes to mind uh, where Paul says, in the present hour, We hunger and we thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless. And then he goes on to write to the Corinthians that, you know, he and his companions were being treated like the scum of the world and the refuge of all things. Now here, Paul say that. You might think that Jesus' teachings about providing for food and clothing for his followers have failed. But, But Jesus wasn't actually teaching that every Christian would be lavishly fed for every meal. No, Jesus' argument is simply meant to point us to the sovereignty and control of God over all things. So when Paul faced those gnawing aches in his stomach because it was empty, he knew that one of two things would eventually happen. You know, possibility number one is that God would give him food to eat. And in doing so, Paul could praise God for his uh, provisions. Or possibility number two, he, he might face death. Paul faced the possibility of death on numerous occasions, but he was never phased by it because he knew that if he died, he would be transported immediately into the arms of Christ. It's like he said in uh, Philippians 1.21, he said to live is Christ and to die is gain. Either way, whether Paul lived or whether he died, he still knew that God was providing for him. Because we don't serve 
what some people call a watchmaker God, the kind of God who kind of wound up the universe and then he walked away uh, from his creation, you know, like it was some old-timey clock that he just wound up and then just turned his back on it. No, we serve a God who is still intimately involved in all aspects of the world. He is controlling and he is caring for every part of his creation, especially us. So that's the first example that Jesus gives. He talks about the birds of the air. Uh, But now look at, at verse 28. Starting there, he gives a second example about clothing. He says, why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So worrying is not only futile, According to Jesus, it can also prove your lack of faith. Because if God can clothe the lilies and the grass, then he can certainly clothe you too. And if you're so worried that he can't, well, that just proves that you lack faith in him. So let's just say, for example, that you're in a conversation with someone and they ask, you, know, you ask them um, about their spiritual beliefs and they say, oh, oh I, I have faith. And not only that, you know, they tell you that they read their Bibles, they go to church, they spend plenty of time in prayer. But you also know from other conversations that you've had with them that they are constantly pessimistic about everything else going on in the world. You know, their doctor might give them a clean bill of health and, you know, they would still tell you that their body is just getting ready to to fall apart. They're always a hypochondriac. Or, you know, maybe you're talking politics and, you know, you know that their preferred political candidate, um, he just got elected into office. And yet the only thing that they can talk about is still how they feel like this country is just getting ready to fall apart. It doesn't matter what subject it is. They are a perpetual pessimist. Doesn't matter how full the glass is. All they want to focus on is on what percentage is empty. But, But if that's you or if that is somebody that you know, then their lives are not marked by faith. Even if they tell you over and over again that they have faith. And the danger with that is is this. Pessimists are not guaranteed to inherit the kingdom of God. Heaven is ultimately only for spiritual optimists. Because if you want to become a follower of Jesus, ultimately, you have to be an optimist, at least to some degree, all right, that's part of submitting your life to him, is trusting that one day Jesus is going to conquer evil. When the trumpets sound and when he returns, Jesus will be victorious over the forces of darkness. And so if you're always caught up in worry and you're always pessimistic about everything, it actually might be a sign that you don't really believe all of that stuff about Jesus' return.
Too much worry might mean that you're actually not really worshiping and trusting in Jesus like you thought you were. It might actually be a sign that your life is still ruled by fear rather than faith. So we've talked about now what is worry, why you shouldn't worry, and why not to worry. Uh, but let's move on now to see the cure for worry. Because if we're being honest, this is a question that we would all like to have a clearer answer for sometimes. Go ahead and look at the last verses of this passage, starting in verse 31. Jesus says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So Jesus reiterates here his commands not to be anxious, either about what you eat or drink or what you'll wear. And instead, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There's actually a couple of cures for worry, a couple of ways to, to win against worry that we see in that statement right there. First, when Jesus talks about seeking the kingdom of God, um, that's really just another way of talking about becoming a follower of Jesus. Jesus is saying that becoming a Christian is actually the ultimate cure for worry. Not that Christians don't experience anxiety from time to time. We do. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, Christians know precisely where we will spend eternity. So there shouldn't be any kind of, you know, anything major that keeps us awake at night. You know, yes, we'll still have minor stresses about life. But ultimately, we know that God has things under control. And we also know that none of those stresses are going to follow us into the life to come. They're all temporary. They will all pass away. First uh, Peter 5.7 is a great verse to meditate on for Christians uh, and non-Christians alike, especially when we're feeling anxious. Uh, that's where the apostle Peter encourages you to cast all of your anxiety on Jesus. So, so that's how you stop worrying, by, by casting it on Christ. Right? That's why Jesus spent a night in anguish and in distress in the Garden of Gethsemane. All right? He didn't experience any kind of worry that was sinful, but Jesus certainly felt the weight and the pressure of the impending wrath of God that was going to flood over him at the crucifixion. And scripture tells us that it caused him such great anxiety and anxiousness that it almost killed him even before the cross did. But Jesus went through all of that worry so you wouldn't have to. Right? His soul spent the night in anguish so that your soul and so that my soul could be at peace. So that you could cast your anxieties on him and trust that no matter what happens to you in this life, if you are a follower of Jesus, he is holding on to you and you are safe. You are secure in his hands. So that's the first way 
to cure worry by casting it on Jesus. But I want to offer a second application here as well, because I'm sure that some of you are already thinking, I have done that. I have put my trust in Christ. I am a follower of Jesus, yet I still can't keep all of my anxieties at bay all the time. So let me offer you a second way to win against worry. For those who have already sought first the kingdom of God by placing your trust in Jesus, let me urge you to continue seeking first the kingdom of God. And you do that by focusing on the work of the kingdom. Work is a wonderful way to drive out worry. Let me me say that again. Work is a wonderful way to drive out worry because there's just something about having idle hands that uh, that only amplifies the problems with our anxiety. It's kind of like pouring lighter fluid on a fire. The more free time you have, the more time you have to worry also. But if you are a follower of Christ and you are here every time the church doors are open and you are constantly seeking to minister to and encourage other members of this congregation and you're always trying to build relationships with your lost co-workers and neighbors in order that you might share the gospel with them, if you are busy doing all of that, guess what? You're not going to have time to stop and worry. You're going to be too busy. Worry will be the last thing on your mind. You're going to be so focused on the Lord that you're going to let tomorrow worry about itself. It's not going to be your problem anymore. Somebody else can worry about that. You can win the fight against worry by focusing on the work of the kingdom. So hopefully uh, we now have a better understanding of what worry is. Hopefully we have a a better definition and we understand that it's not always sinful. You know, both Jesus and Paul found themselves anxious at times, but that didn't mean that they were sinning in their anxiety. Uh, But when it comes to this kind of futile worry, you know, the kind that reveals a sinful lack of faith on our part, uh, my prayer for you this morning would simply be that we would all be able to take Bob Newhart's and Jesus's advice to heart and just stop it. Stop the worry. Stop being so anxious and simply trust in Christ instead. Let me pray. Father, so, so much of our lives are just wasted away in our worries. All right, we are anxious about far too many things that are just beyond our control anyway, uh, but they're not beyond yours So I pray that that you would continue to teach us how to put our trust and our hope in you. And I pray that you would just teach us to cast our worries on you, Father, so that we might win that fight against worry, so that our souls might have peace at last with you. Just ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.